Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me for our weekly Scares and Dares podcast is my co-host, Joanne Kong. Hi everyone. Alright, as per usual, we're here to discuss our favorite scare of the week and the prop ups that we dare to make in the NFL Divisional Playoff Round. And this week, our scare is the new Netflix series, Archive 81. And after we discuss that, we'll give you our four player props that we dare to make for the upcoming weekend. So, with that said, let's get this rolling. All right, as I said, our scare of the week is the horror series, not a movie this week, a horror series, Archive 81 on Netflix. So the 2022 just came out this past weekend. It is an eight-episode series based on the podcast of the same name, each episode being between 45 to 58 minutes. Uh, it was executive produced, by the way, by James Wan of Saw and Insidious fame. So if you're fans of that, maybe you want hmm. to check this out, or if you're fans of the podcast, you might be interested in checking this out because obviously the uh, Archive 81 based on the podcast, at least loosely based on that. Um, so before I jump into uh, talking about the actual, what we thought about the show, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background and we kind of got to go from there, but at a high level, and I'm going to try to get this as spoiler free as possible, but at a high level, the story is about two main characters, Dan Turner, who is a video restorer in present time, and Melody Pendras, who's a budding filmmaker, getting her PhD in filmmaking back in 1994. You remember 1994, right? That's back when we didn't really have cell phones that would fit in your hand. You know, they basically had to carry bags around everywhere you went. Anyway, that's that, and, and then you had to carry around video cameras, right? Remember those video cameras? That was what you had to use before we had smartphones. Anyway, so Melody Pendras is getting her filmmaking PhD back in 94 with a high eight video camera, and both stories of Dan and Melody revolve around an apartment complex in New York called the Visser. Now Melody's interest in the Visser is her PhD dissertation. And <clears throat> excuse me, she wants to record a living history of the apartment complex by moving in and recording the stories of its tenants on videotape. She's initially unsuccessful, but she gets the help of Jess Lewis, a kid who lives in the building and runs errands for other tenants. She starts in on her video interviews and discovers all sorts of unusual things with the apartment complex. <clears throat> including strange chanting and songs coming from a radiator to weird tenants producing strange new age operas and taking part in secret creepy meetings where they chant around a weird statue in a cabinet. Anyway, Dan's story revolves around him being hired by a mysterious company called LMG to restore Melody's old tapes. Since apparently the Visser burned down from a fire due to unexplained reason and no one knows what truly happened or if anyone survived. As things go in horror movies, Dan is supposed to restore these tapes in isolation in a large house way outside civilization and outside cell phone range. Uh, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you know it? And all because the tapes apparently are too delicate and can't be transported. I'm going to call BS on that one. But anyway, uh, of course, creepiness ensues there as well, kind of reminding me, and, and actually part, some of the characters in the show as well say this, 
it reminds me of The Shining in many ways, right? And being kind of isolated and having to work uh, isolation, although he didn't have an axe, nor did he have the rest of his family there to, um, to and, or creepy twins showing up in the hallways. Anyway, the point is that Dan presses on. He starts to suspect that there's more than meets the eye in these tapes. And there's something more insidious happening. And I don't just say insidious. James Wan was the executive producer. It truly is insidious. And simultaneously, we see that Melody story is unfolding at the same time. They kind of cut back and forth with clues as to what might be really going on. So I'm going to stop there because obviously there's a lot of things happen and are revealed throughout these eight episodes. That would be a spoiler alert here. But um, kick it over to you, Joran. What do you think of this uh, eight-episode series, Archive 81? Um, first of all, I want to say this movie makes being a videotape archivist super cool. Yeah, it's, seriously. Like, I, think, <laughs> I think people are just going to like look for video, old videotapes and try to restore them. Uh, yep, <laughs> definitely. Uh, just because the idea of bringing back something that has you know, been in a fire – bring it back to life so you could actually see what's on them. And his job was, you know, in this, in this uh, series, it follows him restoring uh, cassette tapes, correct? Well, it was high eight videotapes, yep. Right, high eight videotapes. But, like, he did, but it showed him also restoring, like, real movies, real, right. like R-E-E-L. <laughs> right, right, uh, that's right. <laughs> So it just kind of showed, like, the skill that, well, just briefly of what goes into restoring something like that, which just, I thought, made the whole profession super cool, which I know the job should exist, but why would it? Like, yeah, today right. we, we don't deal with any of that stuff. Yep, that's But true. that being said, uh, you want to keep watching. You want to yeah. know what's happening. Like after one episode ends, you want to see like what's going to go on the next uh, episode. And I think that's why it's so great that Netflix doesn't tease you by releasing one episode at a time per week, mm-hmm. but just you could just Let's sit there it. and binge watch it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but super <laughs> love it that you don't have to wait. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was definitely built for binging. I mean, it, they clearly built this for binging. I mean, the, it was basically a cliffhanger at the end of every episode. What I truly liked, though, um, th- which I thought was a little unique, is that each, essentially each episode started off of a teaser that was like video footage from that time era that tied into the story. Like in one situation, a character dies. We, I won't tell you who it is, but they showed the news report from the local news um, as it would have looked in 1994, as they report on this person who died and what happened, you know, in, in, as if you're watching a news, and, and then of course, then the credits roll and you get into the story. And then in, in other situations, you see uh, ads or commercials from that time frame, or even like bits of the um, the Encyclopedia Britannica video, uh, which is which used to be on CD-ROM, if you remember CD-ROM, or uh, available in, on videotape. And this was shown to explain different aspects of the show and it would just be like kind of a cool, neat way of doing it, right? I mean, it looked real, it looked authentic from 1994 and it kind of gave it a real authentic feel like this really happened, you know? It made it feel like this really happened. And of course, this didn't really happen. Uh, and I know that that was something that people have investigated on the internet. It is, It did not happen. It obviously was based off a scripted 
podcast of the same name, which is somewhat similar, but not exactly the same. And I know you, you listened to a little bit of that, Joanne. So what did you think of the, the comparison there? Um, well, I've only listened to the first podcast, and it starts off the same way. So hmm. uh, it's much longer, so I'm not really sure, like, what the difference is. But I also got to say about the, the series, what I liked is how they used the restored, quote-unquote, restored footage to yeah. kind of bring you back into time. So, you know, he's you see him in present time restoring this footage, and then they use that restored footage to kind of loop you in. So you're kind of in that setting, and I like that. Yep, I totally agree. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. So it was almost a little bit of found footage in a way, uh, but they use the found uh, footage more like transitional. Really, I, you know, transitional. Yes, I get, what, I get what you're saying because you, she's always has a video camera in her hand. And there are, there are several times when you're seeing what's going on through the video camera. And then they switch. And yes, and that way I guess it is a found footage. Uh, but yes, yeah. It, 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 I thought it was really well done. Like yeah. it was just like the pace was really good. It was very suspenseful. The acting was really great. It just kept acting you engaged. Fantastic. There was always like a turn on each episode and you just wanted to be like, well, how did the fire start? Or what is going on? Like, who is this guy? So, right. you know, so for that reason, that engagement, I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, Mamudo Athi, who played Dan Turner, and Dina Shahibi Habi, who played Melody Pendress. Excellent, excellent job in what they did. Although there were some aspects where I thought she was just really being crazy and like, you should just get your evidence before you start going around and, you know, uh, uh, going around just saying, alleging that people have done all this stuff. Even if you're right, maybe get some evidence first uh, before you start making all the allegations because you put a big fat bullseye on your forehead and that's not great. Anyway, right. that being like, said, don't you hate that? I hate yeah. that. Yeah, that was a little We're bit. Like, that was a little come annoying. On. I'm like, come on, buddy. But I, I at least do get, get some it. evidence. I, I, yeah. No, but I do get it. Like when you're stuck in that moment and you just think nobody believes you. Like, what else are you gonna do? It's like you think whoever screams the loudest, they will listen to you, but it doesn't yeah. work out. No, it does not. Does not work out that way at all. Lots of interesting there. A little bit of a tidbit here of trivia for anybody who cares about it. Melody's friend Annabelle is actually played by Julia Chan, who was actually the co-host in the first two seasons of the great Canadian baking show, uh, along with Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek. And actually, she made a guest appearance on Schitt's Creek with Dan Levy as well. So they might have known each other a little bit before doing that. But how cool is that? I mean, that's totally a random connection there. And for those of you who like baking shows, great Canadian baking show is a great second best compared to the great British baking show. So go check it out if you want uh, on Canadian Netflix, if you're lucky enough to have that. Uh, but that being said, this show, uh, obviously really, really good. And um, I'll just go ahead and read what we have on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Rotten Tomatoes uh, has it at 91% on the tomato meter right now on 23, um, on 23 reviews by the critics. Uh, the critics' consensus is it's an intriguing blend of horror and noir. Archive 81 offers an addictive supernatural thrills that are haunting in the best way. And it has an audience score of 71%. So equally liked by critics and by the audience. Uh, really interesting. So what would you give this, Joanne, out of four stars? I'm going to give it a 3.5 stars. 3.5 stars. I will agree with that. Two weeks in a row, we oh. agree. 
3.5 stars for me too. I thought this was well worth the watch and a great binge. Uh, and, and can, because there are parts that are a little bit slow. It builds a little bit of atmosphere and suspense. You will appreciate it when you get to the end. I will mention one more thing about it. I was really excited the fact that they may, and this is not going to be a spoiler for anybody, but the PXL 2000, which is the play school camera that uses audio cassettes, makes an appearance. That thing is fantastic. It's like 35 years old, and they used to use audio cassettes in order to in order to in order to film low resolution monochrome video and audio. I, I, my friend had one of those. We used to make movies out of that. I'm glad that it doesn't exist anymore because no one can watch those crappy movies we made. But it is so cool that that makes an appearance in this show. So FYI, keep an eye out for that. You will not miss it. Okay, let's move on to our actual <laughs> dares now. That's the prop bets that we dare to make in the um, upcoming NFL divisional round playoffs. So, Joanne, why don't you start with your pick? But before we do that, let me just, uh, just recap for everybody the fact that we actually had uh, picks last week. And, um, you know, I, I, I will, I'll kick it off here to Joanne because she barely, barely missed them last week. But she had, uh, had – <laughs> She had picks last week where she was, again, uh, going to uh, try and get, I believe, the under Mac Jones, which I, I don't know when you're going to not bet the under for Mac Jones. Probably not anymore because <laughs> he's no longer in the playoffs. But she had the under for Mac Jones at 2.5 and the over on Stefan Diggs at 86.5. Apparently, Mac Jones is not your friend. Uh, unfortunately, you barely missed both of those. Uh, I had Jalen Hurts and Tom Brady under 250 total passing yards rushing for Jalen Hurts and over 26.5 completions for Tom Brady on both of those hits. So uh, I'm sitting pretty now at 9 and 12. Joanne going to 7 and 12. We're going to get into the next week and see how that goes. Uh, any comments about these picks before we move on to this week? Yeah, it's regrettable, but yeah, it is a dare. <laughs> so I didn't right. dare to make them. Yep, did dare to make That's right. You did dare to make them. We're true to our word, truth in advertising. Okay. What do you got as your first pick of the week here, Joanne? So I'm going to start off with Tom Brady. He's at over under 25.5 completions. And I am going to go with the over. Yep. So fingers crossed. Uh, Tom, the Buccaneers will be hosting the Los Angeles Rams at Raven James Stadium this week for the divisional round. I got to say, the Buccaneers handily defeated the Philadelphia Eagles in the wild card playoffs. Tom Brady has sure 29 completions. That is over 25.5. The last time the Buccaneers played the Los Angeles Rams in week three, Brady had 41 completions. That's also over 25.5. The Rams have one of the worst passing defense during the regular season, but I'm going to have to say they do have the best passing defense in the postseason this year after one mm -hmm. week. They mm -hmm. held the Arizona Cardinals to oh, yeah. 137 was... passing yards. <laughs> horrible, horrible jitters uh, with Kyler Murray, though. I, I, I would assume give credit where credit's due. Uh, Rams were great on defense. They put a lot of pressure on him, but – he was also very much subpar for a performance. And then, you know, like I said, first time jitters maybe. So Right. If you wanna if you wanna hold a lot of value to, you know, one week of stats, that's up to you. 
but currently I'm going to say that Tom Brady, with his experience, will probably be able to beat that 25.5 completion rating. Yeah, I love it because he obviously beat the 26.5 for me last week against Philly. And like I said, he basically averages over that in every game. So uh, he is playoff Brady right now. And um, you can, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady. They're all, they're, all, they're all playoff mode. They're all playoff mode. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, like Tom, no one has more, I mean, at least currently in the playoffs, no one has more playoff experience than Tom Brady right now. So if there's anybody who's going to flex his muscle a little bit in the playoffs, I would think it's going to be Tom Brady, uh, whether you like it or not. <laughs> All right, the over on 25.5. Uh, so my first pick of the week is Jamar Chase, and his prop bet is over under 78.5 receiving yards against the Tennessee Titans. I am going to take the over on 78.5 receiving yards against the Tennessee Titans. Let me tell you why. So the Titans, they are, you know, they're good. They're a great defense, and they're a great uh, offense, run offense at least. Um, but they allow the eighth most passing yards per game this last season and the second least rushing yards per game this last season. So what does that really tell you? Well, it tells you that they stop you on the ground and they like to force you to pass the ball. Well, that is going to be fine by Joe Burrow, in my opinion. Now, if you look back at these previous games that they've had, um, you'll see that they, they very frequently allow uh, receivers to go over 78.5. In week 18, they allowed Danny Amendola to get 113 yards. In week 16, they allowed Devo Samuel to get 159 yards. So this is not unusual for them to allow a wide receiver to exceed 70.8.5 receiving yards. And Jamar Chase has been amazing in the last stretch of the season. He's been over 78.5 receiving yards in three of his last four, and he's done that by a significant margin. He's averaged 7.25 receptions on 9.5 targets for 133.5 yards per game over that stretch. So, hey, all he's to do is exceed 78.5. I'll take that. I think we can probably handle that. On the other side of this, you'll also note that the Titans, they really do rely on ball control and shutting down the run. That is really how they win games. In fact, they have the second highest average time of possession at 32 minutes and 39 seconds in the NFL this season. So they like to control the pace by running the ball and then shutting down the opposition's ability to run the ball and forcing them to throw the ball. So how do they lose this season? If you look at the Titans, they've lost five games. Now, the only way they lose games is if, A, the other team manages to throw to, a, to their primary receiver for a lot of yards, or the Tennessee Titans end up with a ton of turnovers. All right? So they lost to the Steelers and the Texans. Both those games they had – more than four turnovers. Four turnovers against the Steelers, five turnovers against the Texans. That's how they lost that game. How did they lose against the Patriots, Jets, and Cardinals? They allowed their top receiver to get over, over 98 yards, over 83 yards, actually, but definitely over 78.5. They, against the Patriots, they allowed Jacoby Myers to get over 98 yards. Against the Jets, they allowed Corey Davis to get 111 yards. Against the Cardinals, they let DeAndre Hopkins get 83 yards. So if the... If the Cincinnati Bengals want to beat the Titans, they will pass the ball. Joe Burrow has been hot. Jamar Chase has been hot. He's been averaging over 78.5 per game in his last four. In fact, he's been averaging 133.5. Titans allow the eighth most passing yards. And quite frankly, they lose whenever the primary receiver has over 83 yards. So what does that tell me? That tells me bet the over on Jamar Chase's 
78.5 receiving yards against the Titans. All right, let's go to uh, your second pick of the weekend, Joanne. Uh, my second pick is Patrick Mahomes. Okay. He's at over and under 300.5 passing and rushing yards combined. So I'm going to go with the over on Patrick Mahomes for okay. over 300.5 passing and rushing yards. So like you said, you know, about Tom Brady being on uh, postseason playoff mode, I think Patrick Mahomes is on, you know, postseason playoff mode. So is Josh Allen. So is um, everybody. Uh, they right. have to be. So uh, I, Patrick Mahomes had 404 passing yards last week, 21, 29 rushing yards. Then in the Steelers, 42 to 21. Uh, those yep. numbers are over 300.5, as you would say. So yes. it's it's like not it's it's Patrick Mahomes has had seven games under 305 point uh, 300.5 passing and rushing yards this this year, seven of them, but mm-hmm. ten of them have been very over. And mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, the last time he played Buffalo, he had. Uh, 272 passing yards and 61 rushing yards. So mm-hmm. he, his average against his average against Buffalo is still good enough, even though even though Buffalo Bills had the best passing defense this season. I mean, the Bills have only allowed an average of 163 yards per game. Patrick Mahomes is one of the few people that have went over that with 272. And then you add his legs to the game where the Bills' rushing defense is not as good, and you're going to get over that number. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it, might, it might be like poor rationale. I mean, I'm not like working the numbers here. You know, I'm not Rain Man. But I'm, I'm going to take, take a stab in the dark and dare to say that Patrick Mahomes is going to be over. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I like that one. I think that uh, honestly, it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. So I like that one. It's a good one. So my last pick of the week is Aaron Rodgers. So yet another quarterback that we're talking about today, and his prop bet is over under two hundred and sixty point five total passing yards against the Forty ers at home. I am going to take the over on 260.5 total passing yards. And here's why. Aaron Rodgers has exceeded 260.5 passing yards in 12 of seven games. And guess what? One of those was against the 49ers in week three of this season. So he's done this against the 49ers before, and he does this more often than not. He's played the 49ers nine times in his career. He's averaged 289 passing yards against them throughout that time frame. And guess what? As I say, 289 yards, more than a 260.5. The 49ers obviously do have a solid defense, but did you know that the Packers have the longest average time of possession per game of any team in the NFL at 32 minutes and 44 seconds? That's more time of the ball on offense, which means more opportunity for Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers this season has been, unfortunately, lights out. He has the highest passer rating at 107.4, the sixth highest completion rating, 67.8%, and the eighth most passing yards of any quarterback in the NFL this season. And finally, the Packers score the most over the air with the fourth most passing touchdowns in the league. So you can bet that won't change in a playoff game against the 49ers. Give me the over 
on 260.5 total passing yards for Aaron Rodgers against the 49ers at home. All right. Any uh, thoughts, last thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers, Jamal Chase, Jamar Chase? I know I didn't get to give you a chance to talk about that before we move on. You know, the only thing I realized from the four games that we've picked, everyone has played their opponent at least one time throughout the season, except yeah. for uh, except for Cincinnati and Tennessee. Like, mm-hmm. Cincinnati has not played Tennessee this season, so they're the only ones that don't really know what to expect from their opponents, where mm-hmm. everyone else has played them before and kind of have an idea. So that is going to be really interesting to see if they could learn – they really do learn something and can make a defense – watching those tapes, like make a defense and offense against these teams. Yeah. Because, you know, it's hard when you don't play a team and you just watch the tapes. It's kind of difficult. I think it's difficult to know what to expect. Right. And so, like everyone else, they've played their opponents. Right, right. Like and Joe said, Burrow. Like they've played them. Yeah. Yeah, and Joe Burrow, you know, um, he's been really hot recently, but the prop bet on him was he's way too totally high. He's been very hot. Yeah. Yeah, he's been great. And Jamar Chase also. But, you know, there's been instances where Jamar Chase has, you know, way under. <laughs> so, you know, it, it isn't like he's consistent. When he blows up, he blows up big. Um, but yes. he sometimes doesn't. And it's entirely possible that when the Bengals decided to roll in on uh, this weekend on Saturday – um, and then against the Titans and the Titans decide, you know what, we're just going to take Jamar Chase away. We're going to let Joe Burrow beat us by throwing it to Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and giving it to Joe Mixon against our ridiculously awesome run defense. And let's see what happens there. So that's entirely possible. Yeah. You know, take away the best weapon, do that's pull a Bill Bill check, take away the best weapon and see what happens. That, that could, certainly could happen. Yeah. Uh, but I'm banking on uh, his, his connection with Joe Burrow, you know, all the years that them playing at LSU and their years now, the year now pay, playing here in, in Cincinnati, uh, that being the uh, trump card that he's going to actually uh, really take off. And I'm going to say that the Titans will control the clock and it's going to be a close game and they're going to need to throw the ball to catch up. So I, I, I like my chances, but Hey, who knows what's going to happen? That's why we make You're it. That's why, make that, uh... <laughs> That's why we dare to make him. It's a dare. Like you said, it's a dare. All right. Now let's hit the air horn on the show. That's all the time we got. Uh, all right, Jaren, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? It is twi- at Twitter at, at Kung Fu for you. Okay, so follow her at Twitter. On Twitter at Kung Fu for you. You can find me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time. And as I always say, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Go out there and make your bets. We are on Thrive Fantasy. You can find it, uh, you can make your prop bets anywhere, but definitely Thrive Fantasy is a good place to go. Make your bets everywhere, and I hope you win some money in the divisional round playoffs. Enjoy your NFL week. Bye, everyone. Good luck. <laughs>